Thank you for tuning into the Hope When There Was None podcast. And here we share stories to educate you, to empower you and inspire. So thank you for listening and tuning in. Please do me a favor and share if you have a favorite episode, or maybe you think somebody else that needs a dose of positivity and to maybe break open some of the darkness, let there be light. So thank you again for all of your support and encouragement. I hope you enjoy this episode. That's awesome. I support you. Yes, he does. And thank you. I have Lisa with me today. I am so excited. Hello. We are going to talk about that shame, that guilt, and all that other unforgiveness and yucky stuff sometimes that we just push down. And I know I'm guilty of that myself, but I'm excited to hear your story and how you made flip the switch and made that change. So I'm just going to let you go ahead and, and well, I'm hoping there was none. <laughs> my page, I'm Melinda Kunst, and I am joined with my special guest, Lisa, today, and she's going to dive into all that goodness. So I'm going to let you go ahead and take it from there. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me. I am honored to be on your platform, um, and I'm excited. I, I might stutter. I do tend to ramble, so you can just kind of reel me in if I go a little bit off those bunny trails. <laughs> but um, I am Lisa Drennan. I am a energetic mindset mentor. I am a certified Ulu life coach and a certified aroma freedom practitioner and a self-published author. I have to show you my book because this is a biggest accomplishment. We think about things that we need to accomplish or you know what we thought would be impossible and who thought I would write a book and have it published. Um, so this is my story for giving the girl inside, finding balance, freedom and fun in your life. Um, it has been my journey when I was 16 years old. When I was 15 years old, I got connected with a boy who was three years older than me, who at the time did not know, he was very charming. And coming from an Italian family, you like you latched on to a boyfriend at 15, you got married right out of high school, you got married, had kids and all that stuff. That was a mindset. And we're talking the 70s. We're not talking like, you know, the 70s, 80s. We're not talking like the 50s. Right. So got connected with this guy. I ended up getting pregnant, not once, not twice, but three times. And of course, the first two times it was like, nope, you're having an abortion. That's it. And I'm like, no, I can't do that. So amongst drugs, Valium, and Cochirsing, I was um, brought to the local place to have my first abortion. Totally devastated me, blacked it, just blocked it out. Just like, okay, this is what I had to do. Um, don't remember how long after that I had a second one. And like, how could you be so stupid to do it not once but twice? And I swore that, you know, I was so angry and so hateful towards him. We fought like cats and dogs. And I just, Every time I looked at him, I wanted to scratch his eyes out. I just had so much hatred. And I remember um, he, I kept breaking up with him, and he kept, he just had this stronghold on me. I later found out that he had narcissist tendencies and gaslighted me to no end. And being at that young age, you're impressionable. I was very controlled. He said to jump. I asked how high. I catered to him like no end. Growing up Catholic Italian, we catered to our men. You know, we brought them, we made their dinner place. We brought them food. They told us to sit home. We sat home. This is how I was. It was very docile. And something snapped in me. Um, I broke up with them. Um, he cheated on me with my best friend that broke that relationship. And then I was stupid enough, <laughs> dumb enough to get back together with him and got pregnant a third time. 
And this time I said, I was, I was 17 years old. I was done with high school. I said, you know what? I am not doing this again. You're, you're done. I'm having this baby. I don't care if you're in the picture or not. Um, what I did was wrong. And I, I really thought that God was going to perpetually punish me. Um, and I knew I had to get away from him in order just to even begin my healing process. Um, but I was so angry. Like if you knew me, I wore black all the time. I was smoking cigarettes. I was drinking. I was um, into drugs. I was so unhealthy. Retail therapy was one of my favorite things to do. And I just constantly kept punishing myself. Cool. So I finally got away from him. We were married. We were engaged. We were supposed to get married on June 21st of 1986. And a week before the wedding, he cheated on me with his best friend's sister. And I was just like, you're done. Totally shamed my family. My family disowned me. They were like, how could you do this? You're shaming the family. We're going to send you away. And I was like, I don't care. <laughs> do what you want to do. I'm done. So I moved on. I took a year off. I didn't, I didn't talk to anybody. I hated men. I didn't want to talk to any of my friends. I totally cut everybody out of my life and started a new beginning. I got a full-time job. Um, I lived at home. It was very dysfunctional. My mom was very controlling, still saw me as a kid. So she kind of tried to raise my, my child for me. So that caused a lot of um, emotional chaos as well. And I kind of just lived with that. And my whole purpose from the time I was 18, when I had my son, who's now 35, um, from 18 until 21, my only job, I had two jobs, well, three jobs, take care of my son, go to work full time and find a husband. So this was my conditioning that I got from my family. Mm. So just, you know, constant emotional abuse and conditioning to follow this path. And I was so unhappy. And I didn't know why I was unhappy. I just knew I was unhappy. So it all just came out as anger. If you said one thing to me, I would cut you down. I would spew at you. I would start a fight. I tell you to F off, you know, whatever. And at the same time, I was still going to church like a good girl, good Catholic girl on a Sunday. I would go to church and say my rosary and I would question God. I'd be like, really, is this what you got for me? Because I ain't doing it. This isn't it. And um, unfortunately, I started taking my anger out at my son. He was three years old. He was actually 18 months old. And I was just so frustrated that I didn't even know how to be a good mom. So I decided to get help. I decided to go to counseling. And I remember going to counseling and the counselor said, so how do you feel? And I'm like, what? what do you mean, how do I feel? I'm ticked off. <laughs> like, what kind of a question is this? And um, she wanted a history of my family. And then I was molested when I was like from three to seven years old. Um, mm -hmm. A family member um, molested me. And I had shared that with her. So she automatically called CPS on me, her, uh, Child Protective Services, because she was a mandated reporter. And if you were molested as a child, you automatically molest your children. What? I was like, what? Who is this person? So I had authorities come into my home and they did some assessment. They did not find me guilty. But that was the first time of seven times that they were called on me um, for being a misfit parent because um, of whatever situation I was in. I don't know if it was the emotional abuse that I was going through at home. Um, but every single time they came, they would sit down and they would offer me services. And I'm like, Hey, I'll take any services you have if you can get me out of this situation and help me, you know, grow um, so I can be independent. I yeah. And they're like, OK, but well, we're not going to find you. You know, you're not an unfit mom. I'm like, 
I know that. <laughs> Give me some tools here to use and how to get rid of this toxic family in my life, this dysfunctional family. So I started my journey of counseling with my son and we went through all kinds of programs and we had um, goals that were set and nothing seemed to work. So then when I was 21, I, I just, I got a better job. I kept improving myself and I met my husband. We've been together for, well, since 1988, no, 1989. We got married in 1993. He adopted my son. We have two children together. Uh -huh. So we have a 35, um, a 27 year old daughter and a 23 year old son. And uh, he's been very supportive and I didn't even tell him my story um, until 2016. That's really? how shameful I was, and I felt so guilty. So he dealt with my emotional roller coaster ride. He dealt with my anger outburst, and he could never figure out why I was always like so, like nobody could touch me. Like if he put his hand on my shoulder, I'd be like, What are you touching me for? And he's like, What is wrong with you? Why are you so jumpy? Um, and I learned recently, I started my healing journey in 2013. It started with Ann Volskamp's book, 1000 Gifts. Um, I forget the tagline, A Dare to Be. Um, where you are or something like that. Right. But anyways, I love challenges. I love taking assessments, surveys, challenges. In her book, she gives you a challenge, a thousand gifts. You write down 10 things a day that you're thankful for and the reason why. And you have to, the only rule is that you can't use the same thing twice during the thousand gifts and you can only use your family once. And I'm like, I'm trying it. What It can't hurt, right? And so the first day I remember writing in my journal 10 things. And of course, I did my family, got that out of the way. <laughs> and I was just like, well, why am I thankful for them? Well, after doing this, like for three or four days in a row, I started seeing things differently. And I hate snow. I live in upstate New York. We have lots of snow. It's very cold. <laughs> it's not my favorite season. The beach is my favorite. But at the time, I had two dogs and I would get up for work, walk the dogs and go to work. So it had snowed pretty bad the night before. And I remember getting all bundled up, getting the dogs, you know, ready to go. And we were walking down the street. And there was so much snow on the sidewalk. We had to walk down the middle of the road. And I live on a quiet street and there's street lights and there's snow. And as I was walking, I was talking to God and praying and thinking about what I was going to write for my thankful in my gratitude journal. And all of a sudden I look at the snow and it's glistening underneath the street light. And it was just these beautiful, like mm. there's like these little diamonds just like bouncing off the snow in the direct light of the street lights. And it was the most beautiful scene. I mean, I could still picture it so vividly. And I went, I got in the house and I quickly, you know, wrote in my journal and I was just like, okay, if a gratitude journal can change this girl's heart about snow, well, then you know this thing works. <laughs> <You know? laughs> So it was my first pivot. And from there, I'm just like, all right, Lord, like, you know, I feel a shift. So I literally walked around with a brick wall. So if you could picture a, a six foot by six foot by six foot brick wall around me, I was in the center of it. I wouldn't let you in. I wouldn't share. I didn't talk. Most likely, if you met me, I would give you a dirty look because I would think, what do you want? Like, how are you going to, you know, basically screw me? Mm -hmm. um, so I never thought anything good about anybody. And as I got into closer to the thousand gifts, I'm like, I started seeing people differently. I started having empathy and I started appreciating things that people do, like showing up at work and like doing their job and like standing in line at the retail stores, returning stuff. Like, especially around Christmas time, you wait in line forever. Oh, yeah. And those poor girls that are there and they're working their tails off and people are yelling at them. And it's not mm -hmm. like 
they, this is a minimum wage job. Why are you yelling at them? So I started seeing people differently and I thought, you know what? I'm not going to stop doing this. So to this day, I'm way beyond a thousand gifts. I think I recorded on my Facebook page, like over, um, 3000 something. I can't remember when I stopped sharing publicly, but I still have my journals filled with it. Awesome. And, um, it is, it was beautiful. And the key is to write down why you're thankful. Cause I know people do thankful things and it's like, no, this doesn't do anything. Let's just got to write down why you're thankful for it. You know, and it's not simple things like, Oh, I'm thankful for, uh, you know, running water. It's like, why are you thankful for running water? Because you don't have to walk 10 miles like the people in some countries to go get clean water. You know, it's right there, you know, excuse me. So just that thought process, rewiring your mindset was like a huge pivot to me. So that was the beginning of the journey. And it didn't stop from there. And every year it's been a daily healing journey. And I've just been pivoting. I've had major pivots this last 12 months. I, it's been incredible. So Aroma Freedom, I'm a certified Aroma Freedom practitioner, which uses a, it's a, it's a practice that was created by Dr. Benjamin Perkis, who's a clinical psychologist. Um, we use Young Living Essential Oils and we go through a step-by-step -step process to break through um, repressed emotions. And the first time I was introduced to it, um, it was like a five minute aroma reset. We took some Valor, we went through this breathing technique and the person who introduced it to me used a Hawaiian practice, which I'm not gonna be able to say correctly. I can't say this. <laughs> Hopa Hopana. <laughs> well, something, anyway, like something like that. <laughs> I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. And she's walking us through this practice. And I'm like thinking to myself, why am I I'm saying this to myself? I'm like, why am I saying these words? She explained it afterwards, but I tell you, she brought us through this practice. And I had the biggest shift. I was just like, what did you just do? And tell me more because I have to find out about this. Like I've been in therapy for years since I was 18. Here I am 50, uh, 50, I was 52 years, 51 years old at the time. Never ever had a breakthrough. And I'm talking mm -hmm. yearly counseling, group therapy. I read every book on anger. I followed every speaker I could think of that deals with emotions that was like a huge breakthrough to get down to an emotion and be able to process it. So that's how I became certified. And then I found Ula and Ula is the French expression. Ula la is the feeling you get when you're living balanced in, in your health in your relationships, in your finances. And it's an amazing framework um, that I've um, I had to become a coach. So I became a certified coach. Um, so in August of 2020, I got certified in both modalities and that fear of not sharing my story was removed and I was able to work through it. In ULA, we have Ready, Set, Go. And I do Aroma, I do Aroma Freedom every single day on myself. So the combination and writing out the fears and speaking it out, the fears and sharing my story was so powerful and just it's just like all the brick wall started crumbling down. It was just, it came down piece by piece. So I had another modality in there three years ago. I started the healing journey process, which was created by Cindy Sherwood. It's a 29 week program. And that was the first time I shared my story and I learned my own identity and who I was in Christ and how, what my false beliefs were. So all the things that I had learned growing up, all the gaslighting and I, I come from, I know a lot of people who are pathological liars um, who were influencers in my life as I was growing up. So I had a hard time identifying the truth 
And when I was able to recognize it and understand who I was and establish healthy boundaries, that started breaking down the walls. So I drew a picture in the healing journey in one of the classes. We draw a picture of like where we're at in that part of the program. Mm -hmm. And there was a picture of me with a white brick wall. Half of it was crumbled. And I was kind of like peeking out from the side of it. And I love sunflowers. So sunflowers were on the outside. And um, this past year, so three years later, I drew me totally free. And the brick Mm -hmm. wall was like a garden. And um, at one point I was in a bird cage, stuck in this bird cage. And um, one of my friends is a transformation coach and she helped me work that out. And I realized that I was stuck from the time I was 21 in this emotional bird cage. And I was, I had the ability to fly out. I was free. I wasn't chained or anything. My wings weren't clipped. The door was open, but I was petrified because I was so afraid of what everybody was going to think of me. If I told my story that, you know, I would be hated, I would be talked about, I would be slandered. And once I realized that that was holding me back and I worked through it by going through this process with the essential oils and the, the, the talk therapy, I call it, I was able to break through it completely. So it's been a beautiful journey. <laughs> it has been. It has been. And I want to say something right off the top of my head. You mentioned several times in the very beginning about being stupid, about being stupid. I don't think you were stupid. I think what happened is you were in such an environment that all of those behaviors, all those patterns, you were just so used to that, that Mm -hmm. it was just easy for you just to continue to to gravitate towards that. And it wasn't that you were stupid. It's just that was normal for you. And, you know, I, I don't know if you ever looked at it that way. That was your normal. Yeah, no, thank you for that. I never looked at it that way because when I um, I wrote in my book, like <laughs> and there's a chapter in my book about it. So it's like, yeah, I, I'm not a dumb person. <laughs> you know, I, I graduated a year early with, with honors and um, I, I even won a, a, a contest in Monroe County. I beat out like 300 people in this shorthand contest. So yeah, I, I, I thank you for that. I, I, I just think like, so why we keep going back to repetitiveness why do we keep going for abuse like why do we get stuck i interviewed i have a weekly uh youtube series called forgiving the girl inside a healing journey from two and i interviewed different women who have gone through some kind of a journey of healing usually it's emotional abuse and um the interview from this past tuesday was about narcissism about being in these relationships and um the, the woman has a beautiful journey and the strength and, and, you know, she got locked in that cycle and that's what happens. You get locked in that cycle because you don't know any better. You don't know any different. I thought it was normal. I thought people, I thought I had two friends who had a similar story that were with me as I was a teenager, same type of relationship with their boyfriends. We were all friends. We all hung out together. Um, same type of control. They were older than us, made us sit home while they went out, um, you know, bar hopping and cheating on us and things like that. And we just thought that that's how it was. Um, and looking back, I'm like, okay. <laughs> and, and for people to take control, and unfortunately it still happens, you know, people want to control you. And why are we so vulnerable that we need to be controlled? And I think it's because of that past hurt. You know, when you're when you're sexually molested as a child, three years old, you're a baby. You know, three years old is a baby. 
and you're being violated and, and you're being threatened and you're being told not to tell anybody. And it's like that defines you and kind of, you know, they say that your, your early years are so important mm-hmm. to form who you become as you grow older. So your self-worth gets trash. It gets, you know, crushed basically. And you really don't know who you are. You kind of wear that mask. I used to call it my happy face. Let me put my mask on my happy Mm -hmm. face on now so I can move forward. And, um, a lot, a lot, I, I found that a lot of people in my situation, a lot of women will be people pleasers, um, because they don't want to make any waves and they just want to, you know, yeah. So I was a people pleaser big time. I have, I have on my, um, my uh, little mouse pad here, sunflowers with Colossians 323 about, you know, not doing things for men, but doing them for the Lord. And awesome. it took me 20 years to believe that, to believe that I could stop people pleasing. Um, just because if people found out who I really was, they would, they wouldn't even want to talk to me. And the opposite is true. Is so so how do I say that? What I believed was false. Once mm-hmm. I shared my story, people were open to it. Um, people trusted me and they confided in me with their own story. Like I'll meet complete strangers and then they'll tell me stuff and I'll be like, I got a direct message from a lady the other day who like, t- I just said, Hey, how are you doing? And she just told me everything. And she's like, I have no idea why I just told you that. <laughs> it's totally fine. You're safe. <laughs> it's a safe place. <laughs> I, I go through that a lot. I, I do. My family knows if I go into the grocery store, more than likely someone's going to stop and tell me their life story. And I think that's a divine appointment that God has maybe to reaffirm that your journey is what you're supposed to be doing. Or maybe if you had a little doubt there, or perhaps maybe just someone saw that light within you and they just knew that you were safe to share with. I really and truly believe that because I know I've experienced this. And also you are dating both me and you by saying shorthand. Because a lot of people out there listening right now in, in their 20s. They're like, what's that? Know, what's that? <laughs> well, I'm happy to say I'm 53 years young. so <laughs> And I'm fabulous 50. So yes. right. age is in the mind. You're it as old is. as you think you are. So. It is. Well, I've got to ask you a question. How is your mm-hmm. relationship with your family then and your mom? Well, my mom passed away in October of 2018. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, so, yeah, no, she's in heaven. She wanted to pass away. Um, we had a very rocky relationship. Um, she was very controlling and very um, just stubborn. And I was stubborn as well. So we fought like cats and dogs. Mm-hmm. And um, we we made a truce when I was an adult. And we talked it out. And, you know, she'd still get mad at me. Um, but she she meant it with all love. She just didn't know how to express it because she had a similar. I mean, she never had abortions or anything, but she was molested when she was a child. And her mom, she was emotionally, physically abused by her mom. Mm-hmm. And my dad, her and my dad were divorced and it was very dysfunctional. My dad passed away in, in August of 2013. Mm-hmm. And um, she they had a really rough marriage. He was cheated on her and stuff and she never really healed from that so she kind of like took it out on me and i i grew up everybody drove me nuts when i was growing up you look just like your mom (laughs) and i would get so mad and when i was about 13 she's like why do you get mad do you think i'm ugly or something 
And I'm like, I never thought she was ugly. I said, no, I, go, I just don't want to look like you. I want to look like me. So I actually prayed for my daughter to look nothing like me. She doesn't. <laughs> she wishes she did. Um, but I just, I didn't, I didn't want to be like her. I didn't want to be divorced. I didn't want to have a husband that cheated on me and have a broken marriage. I didn't. So when people said I look like her, I connected that with, I was going to be like her. And she had a really rough life. She worked her tail off to take, she had four kids. She was by herself and um, she did get remarried. And my stepfather was wonderful, but they had some issues financially. And I didn't want to live that life. I wanted to live in abundance and um, I wanted to break that cycle. And yeah. so when we came to a truce and um, you know, we talked about my healing journey and all the counseling and stuff, she had actually gone for counseling and we were able to, um, to make amends. I, I still, I established healthy boundaries with her. Okay. Um, and, um, but it was funny cause she was, when she was on her deathbed, she was, she got so mad at me because she had, the year that she died, she was in the hospital three times. And the second time I was going to, they wanted her to put her in a nursing home to get her because she had been in, um, really sick for 13 days and she needed to learn how to walk again. Oh. And she was livid. She's like, I walked into the hospital room and she's like, you get out of here, you bastard. You are fired. You are not my this. You're not my that. And I looked at her and I was just like, oh, I said, well, I'm sorry to that you're out. So I did something wrong. I'm like, can we talk it out? Like, do you want to stop calling me names so I can oh. figure out angry? And she just looked at me. She's like, I'm not going to no nursing home. I'm going home. I said, uh-oh. Uh oh, Lisa, I think you froze. Are you still there? Okay, I'm going to wait for her to come on back. I do have her links there in the comments section. And hi, Joe, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate that. Her links, you can catch them all here in the comments. If you would like to go ahead and look through those, even at her website, you can find her book. And I'm hoping she's coming back on soon. What a powerful story she has. My goodness. And I know personally I can relate to a lot of that about what she said. Just going to wait here another second or two. Yeah, you too, Joe. Joe says that a lot of this resonates with her. I'm also going to put this on YouTube as well as uh, Anchor FM Podcasts. So I am going to read these comments here. Oh, here we go. Let's remove that. And ta-da, there you are. Sorry about that. I don't no, know that happens. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> I was just reading. We had a couple comments and Joe Hicks is with us and she said hi and she does say a lot of hi. this resonates with her. Ah. Uh, yes. It's 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 good. It's I don't want to say it's good to hear because it's I know what what you've gone through and it's um it's heartbreaking but if you'd like to connect I would love just to, you know, a lot of times when we talk about these things it helps us heal. Yes. And a few weeks ago I was in a boot camp and we talked about how speaking our hurt 
helps us heal faster. And it is so true. When you can release your thoughts out loud about the hurts, even if you just want to say them to nobody, like just record them into, like I use Otter, which is a free recording um, app. Speak them into your phone and then repeat it back to, you know, listen to it. And then that is so healing for yourself. Um, so you can move forward. Now, is that like a sea otter? Because I used to record myself affirmations and I would mm -hmm. also do uh, Bible verses for myself just to repeat them back anytime I needed a boost. So is it, so it's like the sea otter? Yep. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yep, it's called awesome. otter. Yep. And it's a free app. I so yeah, I'm not sure where I got cut off, but my mom and I ended up <laughs> reconciling and on her deathbed, um, she was very loving and wanted me to be with her the whole time. Like I remember, you know, she had signed the papers to to have no you know life support, and I said, "Well, mom, you know you're going to be in heaven soon. We're going to last meal. What do you want to eat? You can eat whatever you want. Do you want lobster? You want apple? Get you whatever you want. You know what she wanted? She wanted chocolate. Really? So I gave. Um, I'm like, all right, I'll go. I'll be back. She's like, no, no, you go send somebody else. So I sent the girl, the assistant. I go five bucks. Go to the candy machine, get every single kind of chocolate bar that they got. I go and keep the change, get one for yourself, whatever. So she came back with four candy bars. My mommy, it was a, a Hershey's chocolate bar, a Reese's peanut butter, a Kit Kat, and a, another one. I don't, Snickers. She took a bite of the, of the Hershey's chocolate. She's dancing like that. She got, oh, peanut butter cup. So the last meal she had was a peanut butter cup. So every now and then I'll I'll grab a bag of peanut butter cups and I'll eat a bag just in her memory. Oh, that's so sweet. That is so sweet. Now I'm going to ask you too one other question that comes to mind. So how was your relationship with your kids and your husband once you started making those breakdown breakdowns breakthroughs? It was good. We um we went through a lot of counseling um as a family just to help because a lot of us have anger issues. So we worked through our anger. We learned how to identify what you know to speak words instead of using you know like you know going from zero to ten type of anger issues. And that was well. When I I told my two younger kids first about my abortions, they were very supportive. Um, I actually told my husband first in 2016. Um, and he's like, well, I knew the whole time. I'm like, what do you mean you knew? He's like, your brother told me. I'm like, what? So when I got into a fight with my mom, my brothers took her side and I didn't talk to my family members for seven years. And they got mad at me and called up my husband and told them all the things I did when I was a teenager. <laughs> he never said a word. He never told me. He never, he never treated me any differently. And I'm like, well, why didn't you tell me? He goes, well, I figured you would tell me if you were ready to. It, was your, it wasn't my place to bring it up. And, you know, they had no business sharing that with me. I said, wow. Mm. So, yeah, so that was cool. And then I, my older son, because those were his siblings, I had the hardest time sharing with. And he's a dad now. I have a seventh-month-old granddaughter. Aww. And he lives, he lives out of state. So I, I called before my book got published. I had to tell him. And I said, well, I need to talk to you. I need to share something with you. And I kind of thought he knew, but he didn't. He had no idea. So I went through um, visualization is one of the modalities I use in my coaching practice. And I went through a visualization. And I asked God to reveal to me who, what kind of, like, what the sexes were, the babies. 
And I kept having dreams. So my son got married like two, three years ago, I think. And then I have two twin nieces who are like in their late twenties. Um, and one was married and one was like thinking about getting married, but they all wanted kids. And I kept having dreams about a boy and a girl baby and they weren't twins and they were very close in age. And I'm like, I told my daughter, I go, I don't understand why I keep having these, these, these dreams. I said, maybe, maybe Joshua, maybe he's going to have a boy and then maybe one of the twins is going to have a girl. I go, or maybe you're going to have a boy and a girl in a few years. I don't know. So we didn't think much about it, but it kept reoccurring. So I was praying about the babies and I named them. I named them Michael and Tamara. Mm. And I'm like, oh, well, how did I know that they were a boy and a girl? So, you know, not thinking anything about it, kept having these dreams. Well, my mom passed away in October of 18. In January of 19, I had shared my story in this healing journey class. And the facilitator, um, the small group leader at the time, had done this exercise, this visualization exercise with me about having these heavy wool blankets on me. And she's like, if you don't speak it out loud, you're never going to heal. She goes, so here, I want you to take this heavy, wet blanket and put it on. You're not allowed to take it off until you are ready to be healed. You have to wear it wherever you go. And I sat there and this sweater, it was a sweater to, to make the visual more tangible. It was itchy. And she's like, sit back, close your eyes. And she went me through this walking exercise, which I incorporated into my practice, my coaching business. And I threw, I got up after 15 minutes. I said, Shh, this is what happened. I had a dream that night of my babies with my mom. Oh. And then I woke up and I called up my daughter. She's like, mom, that's Michael and Tamara with grandma Josie. Oh. I said, oh yeah, <laughs> cool. So it was really, really neat to see that. And I include that that story in my book about how I had that. And what the coolest thing is, going back to this visualization, I got this frozen shoulder. Of course, I waited. I had a full hysterectomy in January. And I was really nervous about having it because, you know, bringing back the memories of, you know, the, the abortions and stuff. It just, you know, and I was okay. I was healing from it, but I had to do some work around it. So I finally, my doctor's really cool. I got a holistic nurse practitioner walk, walk me through it. So I had the hysterectomy. I was healing from it, got this frozen shoulder and um, waited until a month ago to go to acupuncture. And I met with a mindset, co a soul coach, and we worked through this block of me not truly forgiving, fully, truly forgiving myself for having abortions. I still had some guilt around it. And I really wanted to know what my niche was. And I was kind of struggling. I was a client attraction coach. I was helping coaches launch their businesses. And I was loving it, but I wasn't loving it. And I couldn't figure it out. So I connected with this soul coach. And she. we went through this forgiveness process. And we were talking. I went to acupuncture. I was laying on the, um, you know, the cot with the needles in. She walked out of the room. There was some soft music playing. And I started talking to God and I got this visualization of my babies next to me, one on either side. And they're like, mommy, we forgive you. We oh love you gosh. so much. You need to forgive yourself because God forgave you so many years ago when you asked for it. And you need to truly forgive because we truly forgive you and we, we love you and we can't wait to see you. And I was just like, woke up. And I oh was just gosh. like, I, I told the, the acupuncturist, I'm like, you're not going to believe what just happened here. 
And she was like so thrilled. And I was just like, it was so elating. And that like literally just happened. Like, I don't even know, like three weeks ago. And I was just like, so every now and, and like often I, I picture the two of them just with me and, and, and loving me and the love just pours in and out. And I dedicated my business. I rebranded to Soar Society. Soar is seeking our authentic route to our highest potential. I invite, I ask God to take over. You are my CEO, CFO, all the C's of my business. And since then, there's just like this floodgate that just, it's just like pouring out everywhere. And I'm just like, wow. <laughs> so for years, people told me to get out of my way. And I was just like, I'm not in my way. I was so stubborn. I didn't know what they were talking about. And now I know. <laughs> now I look back and I'm like, Man, I wish I would have got on my way a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, all these things, they happen for a reason. There's a reason why it took where you are right now. And I like that you mentioned that just recently you had some of these revelations because people looking at you right now, they might be watching the video or hearing this in podcast form. They might be thinking, oh, well, she's got it all together. It's taken you a while. It doesn't, like for myself, it takes a while. It's not like blink, you're out of that toxic relationship and then everything's roses, unicorns and glitter. It takes time. It takes time. Oh, yeah. And so I'm glad you said that, that just didn't miraculously, that God didn't just wave a wand and everything's beautiful. It just took no, time and it, it it takes work and it takes courage because you know, I, I was 16 when this started. I mean, I was a lot younger than 16, but I was 18 when I first started counseling. So from 18 until 2013, I had my first breakthrough. So I kept looking for help and I couldn't get it. I didn't know what I was looking for. Um, and the gratitude, I mean, scripture says to give thanks in all circumstances. And it's so simple, but yet we don't do it. We were so used to being negative and grumbling. You know, and having that as my first pivot, but then crying out, I spent years, I spent my whole entire, from 20 until 40, 20 years, I would cry and be so full of anxiety and um, depression, panic, uh, panic attacks. I smoked like a fiend because I was trying to calm myself down. I'd lock myself in the bathroom. My kids would be pounding on the door. I didn't know what me time was. Like I did everything for everybody and totally ignored myself. And when I realized that me time was something I needed and I sat down with the Lord and readied out that journal and taking that, my, my kids would be like, mom, we got to go. I'd be late for church. I'd be like, no, I got to finish my journal. <laughs> and we walk into church late, like, you know, when they are singing and my husband would get so upset. I hate being late for church. I'm like, God's just glad we're here. <laughs> you know? It's okay. It's all right. I like to wear a dress to church and we would be dressed nice and what the kids would want to wear jeans. My husband would get, they can't wear jeans to church. I'm like, why? Why can't they wear jeans? <laughs> <laughs> Just some of our misconceptions, our false beliefs. And, yes. but yeah, so no, I tell everybody now I am still on a daily healing journey. It's a daily choice because I am so tempted to go back to the negative thoughts some mornings I wake up on the wrong side of bed, as my mom used to tell me when I was growing up. And I'm I'm not doing well. If you don't sleep well, if you don't eat well, um, mm -hmm. something will trigger you and you'll go back to that time. And if you allow your thoughts, I tell everyone, if thoughts were a person that came knocking on your door, would you let would you let them in? Ooh, and when I, when I yeah, and when I think about my thoughts now, you have to stop and think because people spew at you constantly. 
Um, and what are they saying? Is it true? No, it's not true. Why are they angry? I'm just a scapegoat. I'm not, I'm not the cause of your anger. And, you know, just identifying with them in the healing journey, we have this cool um, technique that we use. I became a facilitator. I love it so much. Um, and it's, a, it's an intense program. It's 29 weeks of four hours wow. of commitment. Um, and, but I tell you, if you're willing to do the work, the breakthroughs are incredible. And that's what I find with my clients. When I, I, I offer free calls, I call them free sore um, calls, care calls. And we, it's a, it's a 30 minute call. We do an aroma reset. We, we pinpoint where your blocks are. And then I give you a path to help you clear that block that's st that you're stuck on so that you can see movement. And then if you like it, if you want to work with me, I have a, a 12 week program and I have a six month program and the, the breakthrough is incredible. It's just absolutely incredible, but you can't, I can't do the work for you. I can give right. you the tool. But you have to commit to it. And when I when my clients fully commit, they see the change. But I often find they don't want to fully commit because you get fearful and you're mm -hmm. like, I'm I'm oh, I'm getting close to something. It's too scary. Right. If you can get over that, if you can push through that fear, it's incredible what's on the other side. It's incredible. Yes, yes. I'm glad you said that because I do have a small group myself and I know that I post some things sometimes that might be a little triggering for some people. And I've had ladies leave the group and they message me later saying, you know what, that hit too close to home. I'm not ready to deal with that right now. So, yeah. and I do see that and it's when you're ready, when you're definitely ready to heal. And I do have a comment for you. Miss Joe says, yeah, let's put that up there. It takes time to recognize triggers so then you can handle them better counteract them that is so true yes absolutely yes thank absolutely. you Joe. Yes. thank you for that and i yeah. do apologize if you hear in the background they're snoring mr awesome's home and he's tired <laughs> <laughs> so you may hear that <laughs> it's quietly in the background there. i love it it's authentic you know there's this it's just us having coffee or whatever just chit chatting exactly exactly <laughs> so, if there's not a rooster or a goat it's somebody somebody in the family yeah <laughs> and my son was yelling at his dog in like a few minutes ago i don't know if you heard that it was right before we got cut off <laughs> okay She's got a puppy. Well, she's 14 weeks old now, and Aww. she likes to she likes to hop. She likes to put her paws on the counter. So, and you tell her no, and she looks at you like I can see up here. <laughs> I don't care. Put your paws off the counter. Um, oh gosh. No. Well, I would love to stay on longer and chat with you, but I know you have things to do, and I don't want to keep you. But if anybody is looking to for more information by all means i do have again those links in the comment section you can go ahead and click on there you could probably even facebook her and do yeah. a friend request if that's okay with you oh, um, yes, by all means connect connect you are just like my soul sister and i probably say this in all of my my interviews with everybody but i i resonate with people that i have on it's just an amazing connection the things holistic especially that just really spoke to me because that's all I've been doing. I couldn't find conventional means that mm -hmm. worked for me. So I love that you actually were out of the box and you went ahead and find things that work for you because sometimes we are just so stuck in this box 
as you had mentioned, you, we're just in this box and we just do that therapy counseling and we don't always look for those other healing modalities that might be a little rule it might be a little scary but i'm glad that yeah. you mentioned it yeah and i i was kind of skeptical at first too because you know um i like to i, I want to follow scripture and i always want to be careful of the woo but mm -hmm. like i said the first time i got it it was from a, a, a faith believer and i was just like i'm looking into this and it is, it, I mean, oils are in the Bible. Yes. And, um, you know, Jesus went off meditation, prayer, talking to God, all journaling, all of that is something that, you know, everyone's been doing since the beginning of time. Because if you think back, the dysfunction starts in the healing journey. We base it on Joseph's story. Mm -hmm. um, talk about dysfunction, rape. The whole Old Testament is full of like murders and things like that. And it's just like, mm -hmm. Oh, you know, when you start reading, if you guys haven't seen The Chosen, you can check that out. But you start thinking about how they really lived and then nothing as Solomon says has changed. We're all we're all just reliving the same things. It's just like a different format, but it's all the same. And we do need to get out of the box and get away from this. Oh, so how do you feel today? What are your feelings about that? What's your family history? <laughs> you need to go deep and, and figure out who you are in the inside and why you believe what you believe. What's your why? So thank you for having me. I really appreciate And you thank sharing. you for coming. And thank you so very much. And yeah. you can catch a replay if you haven't watched this live, of course, here on Facebook, but also the Anchor podcast that will be up in a little bit. So thank you so much for tuning in. And... We'll be back with some more great guests. You have a great rest of your day. And again, thank you so much for, for being here. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank we'll you. Talk to you all later. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.